the name of our incarnate Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. If you know your pastors here at Bethany, we're not into gimmicks when it comes to the divine service. We won't come out in football jerseys on Super Bowl Sunday. We won't dress up like clowns and have a clown communion service. We won't parody Star Wars by having a Soul Wars themed Sunday. No, we're not into gimmicks. And by the way, all the preceding worship gimmicks have been done by churches. Pastor and I do not believe in gimmicks for the divine service. Today is not a gimmick Sunday with the Christmas pyramids and Christmas hymns, a kind of Christmas in March theme. Rather, today we observe one of the major feasts of the church year, the Annunciation of our Lord. We are liturgical Christians, and one of the true blessings of the church year is that we can, in an orderly way, speak about all that our Lord Jesus Christ has done for us and for our salvation. On December 25th, we observe the birth of our Lord at Christmas. Since we know that Jesus is true man as well as true God, Christmas cannot be the day when God becomes man. He just doesn't automatically come into Mary and then be born the same day. We know that that's not how a pregnancy works. No, that occurred nine months before Christmas when Mary conceived Christ by the Holy Spirit, and that would be March 25th. In the Nicene Creed, we confess, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary and was made man. God becomes man for us and for our salvation. And that is the reason to celebrate and rejoice this day as we observe the Annunciation of our Lord. You don't need gimmicks. You need Jesus, true God, who became man for your sake. To fully appreciate the Annunciation, let's start with this being the first day of spring. And spring is a very good thing after a long winter. For a moment, think of a beautiful spring day, listening to the beautiful singing of the birds, gazing over a glorious bed of flowers, feeling a nice breeze, and tasting some fresh fruit. Without the Annunciation, this tranquil little scene is only an escape, a respite from reality. On the other hand, for those like us who have the hope of Jesus Christ, the Annunciation signals that this tranquil scene is a glimpse into a far better eternity. Let me explain. As I speak, there's a horrible war going on with the Russian invasion of Ukraine. Inflation has been picking up steam for the past year and is now at a 40-year high. ISIS is once again expanding its reach. Substance abuse is rampant in our country. Crime rates are up. And we're now just coming out of a pandemic that severely altered life for all of us. Not to mention that the song of the birds will become harder to hear in old age. Eyes will get cataracts. The sense of taste will dull over time. And the people that you hold dear will either die or you will leave them first. Our increased wealth, modern conveniences, and medical establishment 
might allow for some brief escape from the harsh reality of our fallen human nature and the inevitable march towards death. But without the Annunciation, Ian McEwen is basically right when he says, is there any meaning in my life that the inevitable death awaiting me does not destroy? Of course, the book of Ecclesiastes expresses well what life is like without the hope of the Lord. In chapter 9 of Ecclesiastes, we hear, For the living know that they will die, but the dead know nothing. They have no more reward, for the memory of them is forgotten. Their love and their hate and their envy have already perished, and forever they have no more share in all that is done under the sun. In saying this, I'm looking at the true reality that if there is no annunciation, there's no hope. If there's no Christ, then life has no real hope. And in fact, there is only a hopeless trudge towards inevitable death in this age and an eternity spent without God. However, and this is our joy, the truth is, is that you can truly enjoy the bird's song, the beauty of flowers, a pleasant breeze and delicious fruit as the Lord created you so that you might enjoy his creation, that you might indeed know beauty. In Genesis, God created the heavens and the earth. He created the birds, the flowers, the wind and fruit. Genesis 1.31 says that God saw everything that he had made and behold, it was very good. He created a perfect creation and the pinnacle of that creation was man. He created Adam and Eve in his image. They were his delight. And to them and them only, he gave the ability to be in his garden and to have full fellowship with him. He gave them this ability not just to survive in the Garden of Eden, but God's intention was that they would thrive, being in perfect communion with him, having a perfect marriage forever, enjoying the total beauty of his creation unhindered by any thought of death, disease, or decay. All of that total happiness, a life without care or worry, a life of perfect health and perfect love in the presence of the gracious Lord was cut short. Adam and Eve sinned, the creation fell, death came. But our God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, our God is gracious and merciful slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Even before Adam and Eve repented of their sin, the Lord gave the promise of salvation by the death of Christ. God who said, let us make man in our image, desired that his image be restored and that there would be a rescue from sin and death, and that there would be once again, life in its total beauty and joy forever. To do that, sin would have to be atoned for and life restored through Christ. So God the Father sent the angel Gabriel to announce to the Virgin Mary that she would conceive a child by the Holy Spirit and that this child will be called the Son of God. At the Annunciation, we see the action of the Holy Trinity. God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit desires you to be in his presence forever enjoying without hindrance the beauty of his creation, that you would see him with your eyes and that you would be with his saints in everlasting glory forever.
The Father sends the Son to be the Savior. God the Son becomes a man. The child is conceived by the Holy Spirit in Mary. Now, in Mary's womb, nine months before Christmas, is the promised Christ, the eternal Son of God in the flesh. And Jesus has redeemed you, lost and condemned creatures, purchased and won you from all sins, from death and from the power of the devil, not with gold or silver, but with his holy, precious blood and with his innocent suffering and death, that you may be his own and live under him in his kingdom and serve him in everlasting righteousness, innocence, and blessedness, just as he is risen from the dead, lives and reigns to all eternity. Today, you hear the great good news that God's Son becomes a man and would be born of the Virgin Mary. He becomes man in order to redeem. And that redemption is on the cross. From the early days of the church, Christ's incarnation of the Annunciation and his death and the on the cross have been closely connected and recognized. In the early church, the Christians believed that the day of Christ's conception and the day of Christ's death would be the same day in the calendar. Since they believed that the original Good Friday, they tried to figure out the date of the original death of Jesus, would be on what we would call March 25th. They believed that the Annunciation was all likewise on March 25th. And so they set the day of Christmas then being nine months later on December 25th. Christians throughout the ages have understood the central truth of the Christian faith. God became man to redeem man by Christ's death on the cross. You could even see the connection of the Annunciation to the crucifixion. If you look at that beautiful picture on the front of your bulletin cover, and the top of it, there's God the Father who's going to send the Son. You see the globe and there's the cross on top of it. And this shows that, that this one who will be sent and who, who Mary will conceive by the Holy Spirit will be the one to die on the cross. God did not create you just to exist. He created Adam and Eve in his image so that they would truly live. They would thrive in his presence and truly rejoice at the beauty of his creation. Jesus Christ, the Word incarnate, has redeemed you with his precious blood, and he is risen from the dead and ascended to the right hand of the Father for you. Because of the, the Annunciation, the, incarn the Incarnation, the ministry of Christ, you will know true beauty and true joy for all of eternity. In the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting, your eyes will look on the beauty of a new creation so wonder that the beauty of a sea of tulips that we now behold will pale in comparison. The song of the birds that you hear now will not sound nearly as wonderful as what you will hear for all of eternity. The smell of the new Jerusalem will far exceed any smell on earth. And the taste of the fruit and the food that God will give you will far outstrip any delicacy found in any restaurant or bakery here on earth. St. Paul tells you, I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor, e nor entered into the heart of man what God has prepared for those who love him. And the enjoyment that you will experience will never end. And you'll never have to wonder what's going to happen tomorrow or have a beautiful day, sunny day, marred by tragedy in your life or the life of another.
there will no, be no more bad news to ruin any day and no approaching storms in your life. The Lord, who entered this age as the tiniest of babies, this little one-celled baby in Mary's womb, and we know that's, that's, that it has to be human life from the moment of conception. This little child came to guarantee eternal life for you. And you have life in Jesus, and you will see Jesus forever and ever. We pastors are not pastors giving out gimmicks on a given Sunday. No, we tell you the truth. And the truth is Jesus, true God, true man, is your true salvation, your true life, your true hope, your true joy. Amen.